Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 181 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques here with you, back with another week, talking Knicks and talking the National Basketball Association as well. What a week for the Knicks. What a what a couple of weeks, really, it's been for the New York Knicks. They're hot. They're as hot as any team in the NBA right now, and they're taking down all comers at the moment. Knicks have now won five straight. We will look back on the last three games of this five-game run and what it will take for the Knicks to sustain it moving forward as they continue to try and climb the Eastern Conference standings. Knicks are sixth in the East coming into play Tonight, on the Thursday, of course, when we always record for the Friday morning. This is the, the third to last, or, yeah, third to last show until Christmas, I guess you could say. We have, in layman's terms, two shows until Christmas. Uh, last show before Hanukkah starts on Sunday, so hopefully everybody is enjoying the holiday season, as always, with family and with friends. Uh, we will get to... Uh, a bit of a, a whip around around the NBA in the second half of the show, but we have a lot of Knicks things to discuss on the show this week. So we begin, uh, I think we have to begin in Chicago. Uh, we normally do this chronologically, but the game last night, I, I think needs to, or Wednesday night, I really should say two nights ago for you uh, listening the Chicago game, I thought, was a really good microcosm of the Knicks' season, but also the Knicks' recent form, if you will, the recent games the Knicks have been playing. And listen, it was a game where I thought the Knicks dominated for the most part, especially in the first half. And then in the third, they, they started to really stamped their authority on the game. They took a lead, I think, of 11. I think 11 was the largest lead of the game for the Knicks, at least in the second half. The Knicks had a big lead in the third quarter, or at least a sizable lead in the third quarter. But then the Bulls end up winning the quarter. That that really kind of dictated how the rest of the game would go. And in the fourth, it, it was a slugfest. An absolute slugfest in the fourth. Both teams hit big shots. Quentin Grimes hits a three. You think that the Knicks are going to win the game? 
you know, and see it out from there. Jalen Brunson, we'll get to his overtime in a second. Um, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle combined for 61 points. Randle had 31, 13 rebounds and seven assists. He did have six turnovers, but you'll take it. You'll take that if he has seven assists, if he outweighs his assists to his turnovers. Uh, Jalen Brunson had 30 points and seven assists, just two turnovers. Barrett had 22, uh, but really, you know, especially on the defensive end of the floor, but some big shots as well on the offensive end of the floor. What a game for Quentin Grimes. I mean, one of his best games in his early Nick career. Hits the big shot late in the fourth quarter, very late, where you're thinking that could be the dagger with under a minute left in regulation. Give the Bulls credit. They they fought to the end, and DeMar DeRozan hits a really tough finger roll uh, to force overtime. And... To be honest, I, I thought the whole way that the Knicks were going to win it in overtime. I really did. The, the Knicks took a big punch from the Bulls in the fourth, including right at the end. And I genuinely thought the Knicks were going to win. You know, at a different juncture of the season, I might have turned the game off. You know, but but I genuinely thought that the Knicks were going to see the game out in overtime. And the Knicks outscored Chicago 11-3. to in the overtime period. I mean, just a, a basically a flawless overtime from a Knicks perspective. Quentin Grimes gets the bounce on that three to uh, essentially seal it, but we thought the game was over when he hit the shot at the end of the fourth. So the Knicks still had work to do. And then Jalen Brunson, as I wrote on uh, posting and toasting.com in the recap, sends Alex Caruso to the shadow realm with a ridiculously uh, difficult to defend crossover step back three good night see you next time and the Knicks obviously won't have to wait too long uh to see Chicago uh the, the day the podcast goes out on Friday I got time the time that many of you will be listening Knicks will be getting ready for the rematch against Chicago on Friday the 16th so it, it's very odd how the schedule works the Knicks actually play the Bulls three times in nine days just uh just under a week and a half the Knicks play the Bulls three times and again uh I think I mentioned this last week if I didn't uh I should have the Knicks play the Bulls three times in nine days and then don't play them again the <laughs> the rest of the regular season very odd scheduling uh by the NBA you would you would think with a Western Conference team it'd be like two games in maybe a week or two, and then you're done with them for the year. I think that, that I think the Knicks have that with OKC and, and and a few other teams, but for some reason with the Bulls, an Eastern Conference rival, three times in nine days, and then you don't see them again until, who knows, maybe a playoff series, uh, potentially, if the Bulls can figure things out. But um, who knows, maybe play-in. Could be a play-in series between these two, depending on how the rest of the season plays out so these are important games these are very important games because again the bulls right now sit outside of the play-in which is pretty bad for this time in the season knicks are in the in the sixth spot but things can change you know and again these two teams play each other two more times in the next week so these are very important games and uh the knicks getting this one in chicago was very important and Quentin Grimes is the first thing I want to mention now after reliving this game a little bit. 
I wrote this in the article uh, recapping the game last night, and I think it was one of the few games this season, obviously he's been injured, but one of the few games this season he's played where this really rings true. I was immediately reminded, now he has the big defense, he has a couple big defensive stops on DeRozan, he has a couple of huge three-point shots, he gets a lucky bounce, it happens in the NBA, I think he earned his luck, he had 14 points in the win. Quentin Grimes is somebody who was a deal breaker for the Knicks when it came to trying to get Donovan Mitchell to come to the Knicks. And you're starting to see why. You're starting to see why Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks front office were not willing to include Quentin Grimes in a trade for Donovan Mitchell. He was an untouchable for the most part, right? There were a little bit of rumors towards the end that the Knicks might have been willing to do it, right? You, you you want stars. But for a lot of the process, the Knicks said, no, we're not going to include Quentin Grimes. You're going to have to pick somebody else. And the others that were mentioned, obviously, were Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly, which we debated multiple times on this podcast, whether or not it was worthy uh, for the Knicks to trade those prospects, or not really prospects anymore, those uh, players and this really was a very very interesting discussion you know and at the end of the day obviously the Knicks you know didn't get the deal done and we again we've talked about this at nauseum so I'm not trying to rehash the debate of whether or not the Knicks should have done the deal or not it, it, it's in the it's in the history books now but what I am trying to say is this is why the Knicks didn't want to part ways with with Quentin Grimes this quickly this is why the game against Chicago on Wednesday shows you why the Knicks are so high on Quentin Grimes. And he had so much defensive talent coming out of Houston in college. He was on a team, if, if memory serves, uh, that went to a Final Four and very much was competing for conference and national championships year in and year out at Houston, which that, that school hadn't done that since Fi Slamma Jamma. You know, when, when Akeem Olajuwon was there as, again, he was Akeem at the time, not Hakeem, uh, and Clyde Drexler and, you know, just those unbelievably talented teams, you know, in the, uh, I believe it was the late seventies. So, or was it, was it early eighties? I forget. It was either late seventies or early eighties with Phi Slamma Jamma, regardless uh, I guess it was the early 80s, actually, because the NC State Wolfpack beat them in the title game. Sorry, not not trying to... I'm just trying to get my years right. Not trying to give a, a college basketball history lesson. Regardless, it's around that time, late 70s, early 80s, when, when they came onto the scene. So I'm just trying to say, Quentin Grimes has been a part of transformative teams before at, at, at the college level that have changed a program's trajectory for the better. You can see he has those qualities. He has the qualities that Tom Thibodeau really likes in a young player. You know, willing to learn. Extra effort on both ends of the floor. Every minute is an important minute. I'm going to play hard every minute I'm out on the floor. And then when I'm not on the floor, I'm going to stay engaged. And I want to get back on the floor as quickly as possible to help my team at both ends of the floor. And the Knicks need that. The Knicks need that on their team. And boy, did it show last night in Chicago or on Wednesday. 
in Chicago. And again, the Bulls are, are, are going through a rough patch right now. You know, this is, this is a team that's trying to figure themselves out a little bit under Billy Donovan, but the Knicks showed a lot last night. You know, the Bulls are a desperate team as well, right? They, they were desperate to get a win. They showed that in the fourth quarter in particular, fighting back to force overtime. And and I, I, I like I said earlier, I had no doubts that the Knicks were going to win in overtime. They took a big punch. They didn't lose the game. They, they settled for overtime. But the Knicks didn't skip a beat. They stayed engaged in overtime and landed a few early blows. And then Quentin Grimes and Jalen Brunson landed an uppercut and then a right hook to the jaw to knock out the Bulls and, and win the, the, the overtime period by eight points. And the Knicks won at 128-120. It's a very impressive win on the road against a rival in the East that will be pushing for the postseason all year. You know, the East is deep because you have teams like Chicago who, despite, you know, being five games under 500 right now, are going to be right there at the end. They, they're a good team. DeRozan, Vucevic, Levine. And they're not, they're not healthy right now either, the Bulls. They're, they have some role players that they really need to get back healthy but their their big guns were out, and they all played well. By the way, all of the Bulls' big guns played well. DeRozan had thirty two points and five rebounds. Nikola Vucevic, who's a Nick killer, he's a Nick killer year in and year out, had nineteen point seven rebounds, five assists, and that's an off night for him. That's an off night for Nikola Vucevic. Zach Levine had a big night. He had 25, 5, and 3 dimes. But you know what the Knicks did pretty well, to be honest? The big guns had big nights. None of the other role players, those other guys, none of the other guys killed the Knicks. That was the difference. Goran Dragic was in single digits. You know? Kobe White, 12 points. You know, Patrick Williams only had 11. Alex Caruso played 32 minutes, and he's really, I get it, he's out there for his defensive work. Four points in 32 minutes, minus 15, plus minus, and Jalen Brunson sends him to the sauna in overtime to finish the job. So the, the Knicks kept the role players in check. That's how you that that's sometimes how you win a game on the road. Sometimes you have to live with the fact that a good team is going to have their best players play well, but don't let the other guys beat you. And sometimes on the road that's that's a tall order. That's a tall order. Bulls have a lot of options, and obviously some of them are out right now, but the, the Knicks did a very good job, especially in the, in the uh, maybe not the fourth, but the third quarter and in overtime in particular. The Knicks really limited the role players. They really did. And yes, yes, they let a double-digit lead slip. Sometimes I've, I've ripped the Knicks for doing that this season, but the Bulls were desperate, right? Desperate teams at home are going to fight you to the end. And the Bulls were trying to fight off. They're trying to fight off a losing streak right now. They're really not playing well. 
even with the the mainstays in the lineup, they're really struggling. They just lost a heartbreaker in Atlanta. And before that, they had gotten a couple of wins. But overall, the Bulls have lost five of seven. And six of nine. You know? They're, they're not in a good place right now, Chicago. They're, they really are trying to pick themselves back up off the mat here. And the Knicks said, no, you're going to stay on the mat. You're going to stay on the mat. And they pick up a, a huge win. And again, the, the Knicks will play the Bulls again the, the day this podcast goes out on Friday. So the, that'll be an interesting thing to see how the Knicks will adjust. It's again in Chicago. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how that goes. But the Knicks are playing with a little bit of house money as far as the season series goes. They can, uh, well, they can win the season series and have that that tiebreaker over the Bulls with a win. And if not, they get a chance at the Garden to do that. It would be huge. It'd be massive if the Knicks can win the season series over the Bulls. It would be a huge early season nugget and feather in the cap, if you will, if the Knicks can get that done. Like I've said, especially about last season, these are the games if you win, we talk about them at the end of the season and how much they helped you or how much they might come back to haunt you. So the Knicks get a big one over Chicago and now we'll see if they could do it again here on Friday. The Knicks were coming into this game rolling and I want to look back at the Hornets game and the Kings game as well. Obviously, what helps, you know, the Knicks have won five in a row. What helps is that Julius Randle is playing extremely well. You know, the, the game against Charlotte, I thought, really uh, was important because, again, the Hornets are are dreadful. They, they've been dealing with injuries all year. They, they just aren't the same team that finished ahead of the Knicks last season. But I didn't foresee the injuries playing this big of a role in their demise the, the hornets right now and and we you know we might be able to discuss them a little bit in the second half of the show although there are bigger fish to fry in half number two of this week's podcast but the hornets have the worst record in the east or joint worst record in the east they're seven and 21 that that is actually i actually didn't realize this until uh i just refreshed the standings here that's the worst record in the NBA right now. 7-21 is the worst record in the NBA. Hornets have lost six in a row right now. So not only you know you want to win those road games against the worst teams, but on top of that, th- this is a Hornets team that really is starting to lose track of their season. They're really starting to fall off the rails. Got to keep them there if you're the Knicks. You, you, don't, want, you don't want to be the team that sparks... Another another team back to life in a season. And the Knicks beat him by 19. Randall had 33 and was just unbelievably good, especially from the, the free throw line. He made 11 of 14 free throws. R.J. Barrett had 26 and 7 rebounds. The, the whole team played well, right? I mean, this was a night where Jalen Brunson had 11 points, but he had 11 assists. And, and, and if you can win a game by 19 on the same night that Jalen Brunson misses 10 shots from the field. My goodness, are you going to take that? That that just shows you how how thoroughly outplayed the Hornets were. And Hartenstein had 11 off the bench. Quickly 
who really needs to be more consistent. I still don't understand um, uh, why that's happening. You know, he, he just has not been able to do it uh, once again, really. This season just can't give you consistent numbers off the bench, but he had 11 in this game. Deuce McBride had double figures off the bench. Always good to see that. And he's starting to find his way in the Knicks rotation. I, I should have mentioned him a little bit more when breaking down the Bulls game, frankly. I thought he had some really nice moments on both ends of the floor. He's been playing his butt off in Westchester and whenever he comes up to to the Knicks proper. So I like what I like what Miles McBride has been bringing to the table. I, I can see why why Tibbs drafted him. I, I like a lot of what he brings. He, he also went to uh, a school in West Virginia where, you know, again, uh, Quentin Grimes played for Kelvin Sampson, a guy that's going to really make you work hard and and not give an inch. Bobby Huggins does the same thing at West Virginia. Same philosophy, same program identity. And you could see why Tibbs wanted to play in on that a little bit. for Not only the way he likes to play you know, and coach the game, but also the way the Knicks need to improve and, and areas the Knicks need to improve on. So great to see those guys, you know, more recent draft picks starting to play more, but also play well and fit into the system a lot more. And, and obviously that has meant that, you know, Derek Rose, who now there's trade rumors about and things of that nature, those have propped up. We mentioned uh, the Cam Reddish stuff last week how just a wild year it's been for him in a nick uniform on and off the court but when you see uh mcbride and grimes i mean you could even throw in to a lesser extent the texas draft pick jericho sims as well into that discussion to a lesser degree but what's been nice too i i must say and maybe i haven't been talking about this enough on the podcast is how well Mitchell Robinson's been playing during this run. I mean, we talked about this last year, and I think even more the year the Knicks made the playoffs a couple of years ago. But when Mitchell Robinson plays well, the Knicks tend to win. I don't have a a figure for that. Maybe I'll try to get one for next week. But Mitchell Robinson can be an X factor for this Knicks team. And when he tends to play well, especially on the offensive end of the floor, very rarely do you see the Knicks lose. So he's a pretty important player. He always has been. But when he's playing well, the Knicks tend to play well. Now, the other, the, the thing that he'll have to improve on is, you know, being a guy that can be uh, someone that can get you out of a bad spot, right? Now, again, that's what, that's what stars in the NBA are for. The Knicks now have three of those in Randall, Barrett and Brunson stars of a varying degree in the NBA but I really do think that Mitchell Robinson being that fourth guy especially you know being that anchor in the paint he had six points and 13 rebounds in the Charlotte win becomes very very important for the Knicks success and I do I do want to also look at the Kings game again with you because this also felt like a big game because this is not a, a normal you know, this is not your, uh, you know, your typical Kings team. This this Kings team is very good, and they they are really clicking right now. When they and when they came to the Garden, I I really thought they were gonna be a very difficult opponent, 
And I will say it helped that De'Aaron Fox did not play. But but the Knicks destroyed the Kings. Absolutely destroyed the Kings. I, I thought the scoreboard, the final score, I thought was very kind to Sacramento. Very kind. You know, again, Barrett, Randall, and Brunson were tremendous. Good stuff from quickly off the bench. And again, Mitchell Robinson almost has a double-double, 12-9. and nine. Tremendous. Very, very strong performance. The Knicks won by 13. They could have won by 25. It was that kind of a game. that The Knicks blitzed Sacramento in the first quarter, had a healthy halftime lead, and, and then just kept the Kings at arm's length the rest of the night. And... I, again, the Knicks. If the Knicks had played full throttle in the fourth, they could have easily won this game by by twenty twenty five points. I mean, they really thoroughly thrashed a, a very good Sacramento team, and a Sacramento team that that had been playing pretty well coming into the night as well. I mean, you know, Sabonis and Herter played well. Keegan Murray is a guy that really has been playing better and played well in this game at eighteen points. Harrison Barnes had a bad plus minus, but had 15 points. The, the Knicks really did a good job shutting, really shutting down the team as a whole, but defensively they were strong, and then they just bullied them on the offensive end. Absolutely bullied them. Robinson had a couple of nice blocks in this game, and, and R.J. Barrett, uh, honestly, it was R.J.'s best uh, game of the three games was the Sacramento game. He had 27, but he also had nine rebounds and six assists. And you throw in a couple of blocks. I think he had three steals as well. Uh, I don't have all the stats in front of me, but really strong. And, and again, mentioned it with Robinson, but the Knicks are very difficult to beat if, if R.J. Barrett's having a good night as well. And he's been having more and more strong, strong nights for the Knicks of late. So great stretch. For the Knicks. It's their best run of the season. Hopefully it can continue. They play Chicago again. Uh, the day the podcast goes out. On that Friday night. And then it's. Uh, it's a tough stretch. Going into Christmas. Where the Knicks play the Sixers. That's going to be a big game by the way. Knicks are a half game back right now. At the time of recording. Of the Sixers. So that, that could end up being a very. Very big game. And it is also nice to sit here and tell you that the Knicks have the longest winning streak in the East, and they have the second longest winning streak right now currently in the NBA behind the Memphis Grizzlies, who have won six games in a row. We'll take a break. When we come back, a lot to get to looking around at the rest of the NBA. And we're going to play a little stock up, stock down. Haven't played that in a while on the show. We'll do one team from the East. And one team from the West coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, a lot to get to still. I want to play a little stock up, stock down on the NBA in the East and in the West. I do want to say as well that I think there was some background noise uh, during the last few, <laughs> few minutes of the uh, of the first segment, so I, I apologize uh, for that. You know, it's it's that time of the year, a lot a lot of things going on around the house, so uh, I do want to apologize if that impacted the audio at all. It's also snowing right now, 
and I know there are people shoveling and snow blowing outside. So uh, I do apologize if any of that uh, got onto the air. And hopefully you're all staying safe out there if you're in the tri-state area or anywhere in the country right now and you have some snow to deal with. So let's play some stock up and some stock down. I, I normally do one each, and I think I said in the first half that I was going to do one each. I might do a couple because there's a lot to get to here. I, I, I want to start in the West because the West, it, it's tough to keep track. It, it's, it is difficult to keep up with what's going on in the Western Conference, and I really do feel like uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be even more topsy turvy as we get towards uh, the All Star break. You know, in the winter months, December uh, towards the holidays, January and February. Right now in the West, the Pelicans are still the top team. They're tied now with Memphis for number one for the number one seed in the Western Conference. But my stock up, believe it or not is the Portland Trailblazers. You know, this is a team, right, that kind of had to weather the storm a little bit during the last few weeks. They had that crazy win at the Garden that was demoralizing at the time for the Knicks. But at the time, the Blazers had been struggling, and they really were not able to put a lot of wins together. And again, a lot of people were saying, here we go, this is where they start to fall off. Well, you know what? They've won three in a row. And they've won six of their last ten. And they've sort of righted the ship. Tied with Phoenix in fourth right now in the West. And what a run. What a run they've been on. It really has been impressive to watch. I I do want to also say, (laughs) on a lighter note, San Antonio has finally won a couple of games. They were really in the the gutter for a while there. They have finally gotten off the the floor a little bit still have the worst record in the west but they have finally started winning a few games my stock down i actually just mentioned them in the west the suns what the heck has happened to phoenix over the last few weeks now again phoenix at home still almost unbeatable they're 12 and 3 but this season on the road in general phoenix has struggled they're 4 and 9 away from home But my stock down is really because of their last game. You know, when you look at this five-game run that the Suns have been on, it it really wasn't too bad until they lost by double figures at Houston, who have the second-worst record in the West. I get that, you know, it wasn't a full compliment for Phoenix, right? I know that Booker didn't play and and they've you know they've lost five straight but lost twice to new orleans lost to dallas you know no shame in that but there's some shame in losing to houston i i don't care who's out on the floor and to be fair besides booker it was pretty much the full compliment for phoenix you look at Payne, shamit chris paul ayton who was terrible in in the 15 minutes that he played Mikhail Bridges was the leading scorer. He only had 18 points. And even in the starting lineup, Torrey Craig, only seven points, just not good enough. And DeAndre Ayton also exited that game with a with an apparent ankle injury. So the injuries might be starting to pile up a little bit here for Phoenix. But 
this is a this is a Houston team that that really is struggling. And Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., Eric Gordon, that that's really it for Houston. You know, three decent players, one that's on the come up in Green, but the other two that are that are really nothing to write home about at the moment. And by the way, what might be even more shocking is that Houston actually wins the season series over Phoenix. That was their third and final game that they were going to play against Houston. Phoenix has dropped two out of three against the Rockets this season. Yikes. That is not a good place to be for the Phoenix Suns, who are trying to right the wrongs of a season ago. And again, at one point, they were number one in the West, but they have slipped a little bit, and now there's injuries piling up. We will see if last year's number one overall seed in the NBA playoffs can find some magic again, but five in a row on the uh, on the board as far as losses, and now there's injuries that they have to deal with. We will see how that goes. Stock up in the East. There's a couple of teams I could go with, and I just spent a half an hour talking about the Knicks, so I'll, I'll take them out of this conversation because they do have the best. You know, they've won the they have the highest winning streak, I should say at the moment they've won five in a row but I'm actually going to give this to the Brooklyn Nets who are finally starting to play somewhere up to their capabilities here they've won four in a row not far behind the Knicks they've won eight of their last 10 and that's kind of what puts them a little over the top here the Knicks have won six of the last 10 five in a row Brooklyn is starting to also uh shocker uh, win some home games which they didn't do last year because they were dealing with the Kyrie Irving vaccine nonsense. So they, they are finally starting to protect home court a little bit. And they're up to fourth. They're only a game back of Cleveland who sit in the third spot. And for me, the impressive part is, is who they've beaten. Obviously, the Hornets game, not that impressive. But they beat the Hawks. They went on the road and beat the Pacers. And then they went on the road and beat the Wizards as well. They have the Raptors next. But I, I should say... Before that, they'd also beaten the Raptors at home. They beat the Wizards, the Magic, and the Trailblazers as well. So it's been overall, it's been a very good run for Brooklyn. And again, only only the Knicks have had a better run recently in the East. So shocking, right, that a healthy and committed Nets team is playing well. Uh, shocker to see, but it, but again. They just haven't put it together since that group came together. We'll see if this is maybe the run that kind of propels them into that top seed conversation. Because right now the, the Celtics have a stranglehold on it. Although the the Bucks, boy, are the Bucks on their heels. They're only one game back in the East. But will Brooklyn start to enter that conversation? It'll be interesting. They're, they're five back of the one seed, but still a lot of games left to be played. Make no mistake about that. Stock down is an easy one. It's actually uh, a team we haven't really talked about yet on this episode of the podcast at all, except for the fact that the Nets have beaten them a couple times recently. That's the Washington Wizards. What the heck happened to them? They were a team that was firmly in the play-in a couple of weeks ago. However, the WizKids have lost 9 of 10, and they've lost 8 in a row on the bounce. And... At the moment, that is the longest losing streak in the NBA. It was the Spurs forever. 
that had the longest one, but currently it's now the Wizards. And this one's a tough one to explain. It really is. The, the Wizards were a team that had kind of started to convince me that they're going to be in this fight. <laughs> they really started to play very, very well. And now all of a sudden they can't beat anybody. You know, recently they lost to the Pacers, the Clippers, who are still kind of struggling to put it together. They've lost to the Hornets in recent games as well. They've lost to the Bulls, who have been on a downward trajectory of late. And again, the some of these games have been at home that they've been losing. So on the whole, this is a tough one to figure out because you know, I was watching a little bit of the highlights of their of their loss to Denver. And again, Denver is... They're going to be very, very good. And and I get that, you know, KP didn't play. Bradley Beal, again, is struggling with injuries. But th this is a rough run for a team that I think has some pretty good depth. Pretty good depth on this team. But now all of a sudden, they can't beat anybody. Can't get a win against anybody in the league. Very, very odd to start seeing that crumble a little bit for the Wizards. And I want to play uh, one more part of it in the West because I, I there's one team, and, and it's not really as much stock up, stock down, as I, I don't know where to put the stock right now. And that team is the Lakers. Rightly so, they're not getting as much play this year because they're struggling overall. The, La the Lakers are still really trying to figure it out at the moment one report that I thought was really interesting that I want to kind of close the show on is a report that it's increasingly unlikely that the LA Lakers are going to trade Russell Westbrook due to his performance as a sixth man this season and as we've highlighted on this show that report is is from the athletic uh one thing that, that I, that's worth mentioning is that the Lakers have been trying to trade Russell Westbrook for almost a year. If you, if you remember the reports, at least the last six, seven months, they've been trying to trade him. So for the better part of a year or possibly even <laughs> a full year, I mean, it feels like it's been that long. For a long, long time. The, the, the Lakers have been shopping Russ around, and certainly the Laker fans have been trying to train him for a year. I mean, no one has, has liked the fit on this Laker team. Now it doesn't look like they're going to trade him, and that starts to make me wonder what the, the true ceiling for this Lakers team is. I mean, they're right in the play-in hunt. Still, I, I think if you want, if you're a Laker fan and you, you're thinking a top-six seed, you're, you're out of your mind out of your mind. I mean, the, the the Mavericks are going to do well to get a top six seed right now, the way they're playing. And they have Luka, who's in the prime of his career. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how the West plays out towards the bottom. Because I, I gave a little bit of a shot at the Clippers earlier. At least the Clippers are kind of hanging around. They're still kind of hanging around for the top six, as are the Jazz, who I, I still don't understand how they're doing it. <laughs> they're continuing to stay in that conversation. The Blazers, again, should not be where they are, but here we go. And they're, they're playing tremendously well. And like I said, the Pelicans are really starting to shine. They're starting to become 
a Western Conference contender. So the Lakers are just not really solidified in that discussion anymore, even with LeBron and AD. Because the issue, frankly, is that they can't stay healthy. If LeBron and AD could stay healthy for 70 games, I really don't think we'd be having this discussion. But they can't. And because they can't, it's exposing the depth or lack thereof that the Lakers have. And I just don't know what the season's going to hold for a Lakers team that when this happened last year, missed everything. They didn't even get into the play-in last year. And two years ago, they were the seven seed. They had to fight their way out of the play-in before losing to Phoenix in the first round. So this has been a downward uh, spiral for the Lakers over the last three seasons, basically. And this is probably, and it's kind of sad to say it in a lot of ways, this could be LeBron's last chance. It really could be his last legitimate run at it before who knows what happens. I really don't know. Because they're going to get older, the Lakers. And there's no time left to build through the draft. They're just, (laughs) that's it. You don't have four, four or five more years here to try to figure it out. LeBron is running low on time here. And so are the Lakers. So this is a very important season. And I really don't know how it's going to turn out for LA and for for the Lakers in particular, the Clippers, that they're lucky that they have a couple of stars that are kind of keeping them alive. But when you look at the Lakers part of the LA puzzle, I really don't know what the ceiling is. And if it's the play-in, I, they're not going to go very far. And I think that was kind of a given for this season. But this also could be the, the last chance saloon here. Because I don't know how they're going to look after this season. It's very interesting to see how all of that's going to play out. On that note, I'm going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Thank you all, as always, so much for listening, especially during a busy time like this during the holiday season. An early happy Hanukkah to everybody. A almost a, Almost a week away here from Christmas as well. So just wishing everybody out there a happy holidays and have a great week. And we will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. And stay safe, everybody out there in the snow. We'll talk to you all next week.